All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Well, my name is Ben, and I'm the college pastor here, and uh, so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation just a couple days ago with some of our team that is actually on the ground in northern Greece, and the preliminary estimates have said that there is around 28,000 refugees in northern Greece. It is absolutely an historic hour where we as a church get to be a part of seeing God's kingdom advance in some of the most unreached people groups in the world. And we are so excited to see everything that God is going to do in the ways that he is going to move. So if you would just join me as I pray for the message and for that this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who pursues us, that You pursue us with your love, and God, we thank you that right now, all 28,000 refugees, Lord, that you know them by name, that you know their heart, you know their story, God, and we are asking unashamedly, would you draw them back to you? In Jesus' name, Lord, would they have an encounter with you this summer that changes their lives? God, this morning, I do pray that as we get into your word, Lord, that you get me out of the way and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Acts 1, 1 through 11. That's what we'll be reading from today. You know, today is Pentecost Sunday, and historically, all over the world, uh, different churches are celebrating when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts 2, and Although we're not talking about Acts 2 this morning, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, how it changes us and what it means for us. And as I was trying to think of a visual representation to describe the Holy Spirit, the best thing that I could come up with was an oil lamp. I think we got a picture here of an oil lamp. Uh, you know, oil lamps have been used for thousands of years to produce light continuously for an extended period of time. They were used in biblical times, and they're made up of two main things, the wick and the oil. The job of the wick is to transport the fuel to the flame. The flame actually burns right at the wick's surface. The purpose of the oil is to provide fuel for the flame. If a lamp is empty of oil, it doesn't matter how much you trim the wick, the lamp ultimately will go out. An oil lamp simply won't function without the fuel. In our Christian walk, we can't function without the Holy Spirit. He's the fuel for our flame. The counselor, the comforter, a source of knowledge and wisdom and insight And we can be sure that producing fruit and abiding in Jesus comes in walking with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Graydon to come on up here. This is one of my favorite ways to describe who the Holy Spirit is. So sometimes we're going through life and, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is with us. And he's right with us all the time, wherever we're going, he's with us all on the way. And, you know, every once in a while, we may ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. You know, where should we go, Holy Spirit? Turn right, right, okay. Holy Spirit says turn right. And, And the Holy Spirit is with us. He's guiding us. 
And then at other times, the Holy Spirit is leading us. In other words, I'm going where, whoa, I'm going wherever the Holy Spirit is going. And it is very clear that we're being led by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Fred. So there is, there is a with us and a leading, a with us and a leading. And at different times in our life, it may look different and that's okay. But either way, the Holy Spirit is constant. He's a constant presence in our lives. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn here with me to Acts 1, 1 through 11. Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Little historical context for you of Acts 1. This takes place right before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. It's addressed to a fairly random Bible figure, Theophilus. We'll get back to his name later. And it joins what Jesus was doing and preaching in the Gospels with what he continued, with what he continued to teach through the apostles' teaching and the establishment of the church. It serves as a link between the Gospel narratives and the apostolic letters. And although we're not 100% sure who wrote the book of Acts, many people suggest that it was Luke. It's ultimately an account of the first 30 years of the church. Luke says in verses 1 through 3, In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. You know, this provides a great summary of everything that Jesus was doing in the Gospel of Luke, the signs and the wonders and the miracles. But more than that, I think Luke is trying to emphasize that from this point forward, every instruction given by Jesus will be through the medium of the Holy Spirit. That once I go to be with the Father, the way you'll hear my teaching and understand my teaching will be through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's why Jesus said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
Everyone say, it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage that Jesus has promised to give us the Holy Spirit. That God would love us so much that the same Spirit that dwells within Jesus dwells within us. It's truly remarkable. The seceding statements after verse 3 all point to the fact that the things that the apostles would accomplish would be through the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Verses 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, as I read these verses, that word wait kept sticking out to me. I think Luke is trying to say, hang on just a second. That word wait carries weight, some real value. It's a word that causes you to pause and really consider what Luke says next. That John baptized with water, but that there would be a new baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think Luke wants to emphasize the power and the importance of this filling of the Holy Spirit that we desperately need in our lives. Don't rush ahead and miss this. You're going to really, really need it. And not just need the Holy Spirit one time, but as Luke 24, 49 says, that to be in the Holy Spirit means to be clothed with power from on high. To be clothed with power from on high. And you know, that word clothed, it, it comes from the Greek word enduo. And enduo literally means to sink deep into one's clothing. It's a sinking deep, an immersion a wrapping of the Holy Spirit. So why would Luke try to emphasize this filling and this immersion in the Holy Spirit? I think the answer for us lies in verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke makes reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit, puts a stake in the ground that it's only up to the Father to know when Jesus is coming back and makes potentially one of the most profound statements in all of the New Testament. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witness to the very ends of the earth. I want to pause for a moment and take in the gravity of this. You know, there's a clear cause and effect relationship that's happening here. The effect is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached to the ends of the earth, to the whole world. The cause is the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we try to fulfill the Great Commission without asking for direction from the Great Counselor. We're okay with being bold, but... Maybe sometimes a little too impatient to stop and ask for the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You know, I need a fresh filling, a fresh anointing, and a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit every day to fulfill my part of the Great Commission. It's why at many points in my life during my time with God, I'll always end by just saying, Lord Jesus, I need more of your Spirit. I need more of your Spirit. Finishing up the passage, verses 9 through 11. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This paints a great picture of the reality of an incredible miracle that's taking place. Something that we simply cannot describe with human's word, with human words. Jesus is lifted up, elevated in the air, and a cloud comes and shades the disciples' ability to see him. Then there's the ar- arrival of angels, and there's the speaking of these angels, and finally the announcement of some great news that this Jesus, who you saw taken up into heaven, is coming back. But this time it won't be a departing, but an arrival, a great uniting of Jesus and all who have made the decision to call upon his name. Acts 1, 1 through 11 begins with the promise of the Holy Spirit and finishes with the promise of the arrival of King Jesus. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit so that we can walk and talk and abide in him while he's away, but says that he won't leave us and that someday he'll come and draw us back to himself. I don't know about you, but that puts some serious hope inside of me. I think this passage helps us all to see the value and the importance of the Holy Spirit. But you might be asking, well, so how do I actually get more of the Holy Spirit? Or how do I experience more of the Holy Spirit in my life? I want to give you three things for doing that. And they're this. We receive more of the Holy Spirit by faith, by holiness, and by action. We receive more of the Holy Spirit by faith, by holiness, and by action. The first one, by faith. You know, first we have to believe that we're not an exception to Acts 1, that the command of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit is for you. Turn to someone next to you and say, it's for you. What I think is interesting uh, about Luke 1 and Acts 1 is that they're addressed to the same person a guy named Theophilus. Some of you might be wondering, who's Theophilus, or what significance does Theophilus have? Well, as a, big, as a biblical figure, not very much at all. There's very little explanation about who he is. But his name, his name has something very significant. You know, Theophilus literally means one who is loved by God, or one who is a friend of God. And what I think Luke is trying to communicate here in addressing the, the passage to Theophilus is that this is a message not just for an individual, but to all those who are loved by God, to all those who would consider themselves a friend of God. And if you've received Jesus in your heart, Ephesians 1.5 says that you've been adopted as a son or a daughter. We're not isolated from Acts 1, but very much a part of it. And receiving more of the Holy Spirit begins by recognizing that this filling of the Holy Spirit, it's for us. And secondly, by trusting in God's character that as a father, he promises to give us good gifts. It's why Luke said in Luke 11, verse 13, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We receive more of the Holy Spirit by faith. 
My very first short-term trip that I went on was to Bangalore, India. It was the first time that I had ever traveled uh, overseas. And it was the first day of our mission trip. And my leader came up to me and said, Ben, we're going to go out and share the gospel today. And in fact, this mall that we're standing in front of, we're going to go and share the gospel in this mall. And I thought, wow, uh, really? And he said, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And honestly, I remember being so nervous that my hand was literally twitching. I remember thinking, there's no way I can do this. I can't be bold enough to share the gospel. And I told my leader that, and uh, he was a great leader. And he looked back at me and he said, you know what, Ben? You haven't been given a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. And I'm going to pray right now that you would be given a spirit of faith. So he prayed for me for about 20 seconds. And that anxiety and that nervousness, it went away. That day I shared the gospel with five people. It was the first time that I ever shared the gospel. It was a victory moment in my life. It was a huge breakthrough for me because I realized I was made for the Great Commission. I was made to be a part of this story, this Matthew 28 story that God is calling us into. But you know what? It was a spirit of faith that led me to it. I'm so thankful that my leader was willing to pray for me to receive a spirit of faith. Secondly, we receive more of the Holy Spirit by holiness. We receive more of the Holy Spirit by holiness. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Hmm. I think the Holy Spirit is drawn to holiness, to clean hands and a pure heart. And I'm the first to say that I struggle with this one sometimes. There's so many different distractions that we deal with today, especially with the access that we have to Internet and television and social media. And really doing what it takes to set aside the desires of the flesh so that I can protect my body sometimes sounds exhausting. But can I submit to you that it is totally worth it? If you've received Jesus, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's not allow the worries of this life, the distractions of the world, and the desires of our flesh to cloud our ability to see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. I think the Holy Spirit is drawn to our pursuit of holiness and wholeness. Not perfection, but a deep dependency and reliance on Jesus. Finally, we receive more of the Holy Spirit by action. We receive more of the Holy Spirit by action. Some of you have probably heard it said that the Holy Spirit gives us what we need in the moment. And I think this is a true statement, but seeing the Holy Spirit gives us, give us what we need in the moment requires us sometimes to act. This past summer, I had the privilege of getting to travel to southern Siberia, Russia with five Mongolians. I had been working in Mongolia for a number of different summers and uh, this particular trip was really exciting because we were going to go and be a part of uh, reaching some unreached people groups in Russia. And we had spent all day uh, traveling to get across the border. And uh, when we finally got into Russia, we were able to get a Russian SIM card, and uh, we had one number that we were going to call. Uh, so we called this number, and this lady picked up, and she said uh, in broken English, basically, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. Um, I have invited a lot of people to come over to the house tonight because uh, I heard that you are the ones who are going to talk about Jesus. 
uh, we said, yeah, we're the ones that are going to talk about Jesus. Uh, we're ready. Uh, we're going to do it because we got the Holy Spirit and he's going to lead us. So uh, that evening we arrive and we walk into this, this hut and sure enough, there's 30 people that are gathered in this home. We open up the scripture and we start talking about Jesus and what he's done in our lives and how he's changed us. And uh, we said, you know, why don't we worship a little bit and ask God's presence to come and we start worshiping and during worship, this same lady comes up to me and says, Ben, you need to go and talk to the two men who are standing by the door. She said, they are the taxi drivers who have brought all these people over 500 kilometers and they don't know Jesus. Can you go and talk with them? I said, sure. I go up to them and, you know, just start building a little relationship. And I end up sharing my testimony and the gospel with them. And I remember them uh, just not really engaging, just kind of looking at me kind of a, off into the distance and some, sometimes making eye contact. But it was clear that I wasn't getting through. So at the end of our conversation, I just said, you know, would you guys be willing to come back tomorrow and maybe we could have some coffee together? They said, sure. So that evening, we all go to bed and I was waking, I, I woke up in the morning. And as I was spending time with God at the end of my quiet time, I remember just asking the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, is there any wisdom that you want to give me when these guys come back today, because I want them to see Jesus. I want them to encounter Jesus. And in that moment, I just remember the Holy Spirit so gently saying to me, Ben, you need to have the Mongolians share their testimony with them. I thought, great idea, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, so the men come over, and we are having our conversation. And about halfway through, I said, would you guys be okay if uh, these Mongolians shared their story of how Jesus has changed their life? One by one, the Mongolians begin to share, and these two men are locked on them. They are so engaged, and they're taking in every word that they're hearing. At the end of our conversation, both of those men gave their lives to Jesus. Amen. As we were wrapping up, those two men uh, came to me and they said, you know, um, we are descendants of, uh, they said, our heritage is that we are actually what's called Altai Mongolians. Altai Mongolians, they're a, a people group I didn't even know about that's not in Mongolia, but in, in the southern part of Russia. You know, I think what the Lord was trying to do there is that those men needed someone from their own heritage to tell the story. It's something that I simply could not do. I couldn't make that cultural bridge, but my Mongolian friends could. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and speaks to us, and we can trust Him to do it every day. All right, I'm going to wrap up here. As we do, I have... Three questions that I encourage you to write down somewhere or you can pray about these uh, this week and they're just ways that we can uh, respond to the message this morning. The first one is, is there a place in your life you need more of the teaching and the guiding of the Holy Spirit? Is there a place in your life you need more of the teaching and the guiding of the Holy Spirit? The second one, is there a certain distraction in your life right now that you need to set aside so that you can create space for the Holy Spirit to move? What are those distractions? And finally, the third one, are there any places that the Holy Spirit is call, calling you to act? 
Are there any places that the Holy Spirit is calling you to act? All right. So our uh, worship team comes forward. I invite you to just be standing with me here. I'm going to go into a little bit of a ministry time. You know, the invitation this morning is for more of the Holy Spirit. Where do you need Him in your life? Where is there a place where you need a fresh filling or a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit? And I recognize that uh, in this room there's so many different needs uh, that people have. And believe that this morning is a moment where the Holy Spirit wants to come and, and give you what you need. Maybe it's comfort or it's peace or it's, it's wisdom or it's understanding. And I'm going to pray for us. And after I'm done praying, I just invite you. We have our ministry leaders up here. If there's anything that you need prayer for, to come and do so. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you said it was better that you would go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come and be with us and dwell with us. And God, we ask this morning that you would help us to receive more of your Spirit. We want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit in the things that we do and the things that we say. And God, we say today that the Acts 1 filling of the Holy Spirit, that we're not isolated from it, but we're a part of it. So by faith and by holiness and by action, would you help us again today, Lord, to respond to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, whatever your needs are, I invite you to come forward.